Welcome to the Solo Venture Podcast, wherever you're listening to or watching this. If you could do us a huge favor and hit that subscribe or follow button, we'll work tirelessly to make the show better and expand production as we want to share the best info and best experiences to inspire your journey to solopreneurship. That is the only favor we'll ever ask of you. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. So this is the first um, first in three videos, uh, how to get clients, how to keep them, how to keep them happy, um, and how to upsell your clients and how to grow the relationships uh, that you are building. Um, this is the first episode, so we want to help you get the clients in the first place. This is going to be coming from multiple perspectives. Um, we do... You know, there's, we do a bit of copywriting, um, I've done websites, et cetera. So there's a few different skill sets here, but generally we're going to try and keep it generic so that it applies to whatever service you're doing. Um, and if you're watching and you've come across some unique ways of getting clients yourself, drop it in the comments. I'm sure people would love to see that. Um, so yeah. Without further ado, yeah. No, the, so our first point here is uh, having an optimized profile, and this this goes across the board uh, for you know whether it's your LinkedIn page or you get started on Upwork and Fiverr like I did. Uh, we come across this a lot, where um, you know it's there's a grainy image, or somebody will take like a like just an inappropriate photo, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like a bad, it, not a bad photo. I mean, but just something that doesn't fit like a professional setting. Uh, and, you know, nowadays, too, there are several and we can even link to these uh, enhancement platforms. So, for example, my LinkedIn profile photo is one that I took on a balcony in Mexico. So it had like the ocean behind me and some uh, at one point it had like uh, like clouds and everything. But it was a good photo of me or at least, you know, better than what, better than what my face looks like now. So I just ran it through like an AI enhancement thing. Uh, and that's super this important. The because this is the first... com. It's that one. It's the, it's the one I use for everything. <laughs> Actually, hey, you see, you cut that out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I used uh, just the simple tools, the free ones. I used Canva to cut the background out, and then I ran it through. I forget the name of the platform, but we can link link to it. I ran it through uh, an AI image enhancer, and and again, it was free. Uh, you get so many credits for free, and it and it took like what was kind of a blurry image and made it a lot crisper. Um, so these things are very easy to do and easy to come by. It takes all of 10 minutes to do. But but your profile image really is the first impression uh, that people see. I mean, these people don't know you. You could be the greatest writer, the greatest, you know, consultant, whatever you're trying to to get at. And if somebody sees like a, a weird image of you or like, you know, floating in the pool or something like that, that just doesn't fit a professional setting. And this should be common sense, but it's really not. I mean, I see it every day now. I still go on Upwork sometimes. And look through the job postings and I look through to for other freelancers if we need help with something. And it's amazing that, you know, some of these uh, people will have like really, really great ratings um, or great job history. But just the, that first impression with the profile photo is really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Although, hands up, my, my picture is pretty bad. <laughs> I definitely, I've been meaning to get it sorted out. Um, I've been quite, yeah, I've been quite lucky client-wise. So, I, yeah. It is 100% the case. You have to sort out that stuff. Um, perception matters. Um, and 100% I've suffered without probably knowing about it for not sorting that out, um, especially I'm sure people have been looking at my profile and that does make an impact. Um, I want to, especially like on our website now, I feel like I need to get the same picture as you. Like I need to, I need like one like this so it looks symmetrical as well. 
Yeah, well, you, you don't have to go out of your way to take <laughs> take what it looks like. I had actually considered uh, hiring a professional headshot person, um, which I know it sounds kind of silly in 2023 because all of our cameras and our phones are like really good with that. Um, and then I, you know, when I was in Vietnam, I took that image that I had from a year before and just ran it through a couple platforms. So, I mean, you know, if, if you can get professional photos done or a professional you know, profile thing set up, that's great. If you don't have that much time, but you have a decent photo, there are options out there that you can have 10 minutes, uh, a reasonable profile picture ready to go. Yeah. hundred percent. Take it. I'm actually going to ask you to get on you. I put them in the description, but I would also like to know what you've used. Um, my friend does this kind of photography, so I might, um, I might use them when I go to London in a month um but yeah that leads nicely into personal branding and what i mean what is personal branding i mean i think perception is the best word to use like it is your perception online um unfortunately people who look at your profile online do not know who you really are they don't know what you really like and that sucks sometimes because you know that you're not being represented as well as you could be through just like a page and a, and a profile picture but we do what we can and it starts with a photo and you continue that with the words you're using to describe yourself, the work you've done, um, keep things neat and tidy. I've seen some like crazy LinkedIn cover images that are like stacked with words and it's like, just put enough, just, just put your title, what you do, and then the rest of your profile will speak for itself. Um, and I think if you are using any other social media profile, yeah, just keep in mind that, um, it's good to show personality. Um, I think we're probably past the days of posting like drunken uni pics. Like I think we all get that now. Um, but yeah, make sure it's optimized, like Leah is saying. So it's got your title, it's got the experience, it's got what you can do for them. And just keep in mind when you're posting stuff on socials that a potential client might be looking at you. Yeah. And, and also too, just look at it like, like sometimes when I look at mine or look through all my things, I'm like, well, what would I be looking for if I was an employer reaching out? Um, and, and I also think about my attention span. So you're right about like a really cluttered LinkedIn banner or anything else. Just, just keep it to the bullets, keep it quick. Um, you know, as, as much as we love, you know, if we have a lot of information we want to share, it just doesn't go over well. And we all know nobody reads that stuff. So in this day and age, it's human nature, first impression, a few quick things that you want to highlight and just keep it clean. Speaking of like personal branding and you know, profile pictures and optimized uh, you know, work profiles, another big one uh, is an email address. Um, now, a Google Workspace account, I think it's $12 to get started. It's only $6 a month to maintain where you can have a business under your name or whatever name you choose. I know the popular thing these days is to go with your name because it's it's mostly unique. Like I'm obviously LeePayton.com and Reese has ReeseHarris.com. So that's that's always a safe bet is putting something under your name. And even in the future, if you decide to switch um, whatever your business is, your name will always be the same or it should be anyway. So that's safe to do. But I've seen uh, quite a few examples recently of people that I know that that are very talented and very skilled and they reach out for jobs and they'll have some email address from a Gmail account they had from like 20 years ago of like, you know, you know, Joe at Manatee 69 or something like that. That's like, it's just totally inappropriate for outreach. So that your email address, it wasn't, but it was close. It was close though. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Um, but it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's easy to do. And even if you don't, if you don't want to spend 
a little bit of money and everybody should be willing to, to put up a little bit of money to help further your business. But if you don't want to spend the money on a Google workspace account and set all that up under your name and to get a domain and everything else, uh, you can always at least make sure that whatever your Gmail address is, it's somewhat professional, but that goes a long way. If somebody reaches out to me, for example, today and they want to help with something, um, if I see that it's coming from at least a workspace, a professional account, I know they can at least do that much. So again, it doesn't matter how great you are at something, along with the profile photo and whatever you put on your profile, having a professional email address is very important. Super important. And there are even little hacks you can do. Um, I'm trying to think of like, if you're an Apple user and you're paying for like iCloud, I think it's iCloud Plus. But if you're already using that, you can buy the domain, which is going to be around 10 or $12 a year um, with someone like GoDaddy or Google Domains. I always think Google Domains is like the best um, long term. Um, and then you can use up to five custom domains attached to your iCloud mail account. So you don't pay anything extra with iCloud or Apple. You just buy the domain and then you can have your custom email through Apple Mail. That's what I have set up, uh, which is quite good. So there's no extra costs there. Um, but yeah, at the very least, just use a professional looking Gmail. Um, attached to that, once wherever you have your email set up, make sure your email signature does not have to be fancy, but it has key information in there. Um, how to contact you, whether that's email, whether it's phone, SMS, etc. Um, if you have a website or a landing page or at least a social network like LinkedIn, put it in there and put your title in there. I was so, so lucky 10 months ago. I did all those steps. So my email signature was optimized, if you like. And I used a global platform um, for accommodation searching. I just sent them an email saying, hey, there's a bug on part of the website. They came back to me. The founder came back to me and said, oh, hey, I saw your email signature and that you do email marketing. Um, we'd love to chat. Had a chat and now I work with them. Um, they're, they're a client. So that was is the biggest client I've ever had. And I didn't even do any outreach. They That was an inbound lead. They came to me through my email signature. So optimize it. Get it done. It will take five minutes. And then you could, um, it will be useful in other ways we'll get to as well. So there's my situation that just happened, but also um, others as well, which we'll get to. Um, but for now, do you want to jump into portfolio? Yeah. So, so portfolio has uh, been a big one for me uh, over the years. And we both you know, came through Francis. And um, one of the things that he recommends in the program is to have a, a quote unquote fake portfolio. Uh, now, some people may hear that and say like, oh, isn't that lying or cheating? Uh, it's actually not because it's a portfolio of, of things that you write or create. So if you're a copywriter, you can write copy for something. Even if you don't have a client, you could make it up. You could choose a product in your kitchen or whatever uh, and, and write about it. Or if you're a designer, you can do the same. You can create uh, graphic design. And this applies to any, <clears throat> any industry in any field. So having a portfolio of something to show, even if it's not for a real client, and you could even tell your prospect if they ask, you could say, hey, look, um, I don't have a lot of clients right now, but this is what I wrote or what I would write for somebody. And it shows your skill either way. So it doesn't have to be uh, a real thing. And I've noticed that I've been building mine over a long period of time. And 
quite honestly, I think most of the gigs that I've gotten, whether it's agency work or just freelance, I don't even know that half of them read through any of my previous work. I think they just wanted to see that I had a portfolio. So it's important to have. And there are, and we can also link to the one that I use. There's a lot of free sites that will host your portfolio. You can start with Google Docs. It's what we all did. It's easy. It's shareable, like Notion pages also. Um, But again, you just need a few samples in there, even if it's not something uh, like not a real client, you could just pick a product and write about it. But uh, along with an optimized profile, the next thing that people are going to look for is to see if you have any samples of your writing. For sure. And it makes it so much easier if you are doing a service you enjoy, like you enjoy making websites, you enjoy writing copy. Great. Show that. Pick a brand you would love to work with and hopefully will in a certain amount of years, but not quite yet. I was I was showing people, you know, 11, 12 months ago, um, showing them fake samples and just being honest. I was like, hey, I've not written for Gymshark just to let you know. But if I were to write for them, this is what I would have wrote, uh, written. Um, and they they didn't care at all. Um, they just cared about how well I could write. Um, and it got me clients. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot easier with writing because it's quicker to build a quick portfolio. If you're doing something like web design, it's a little bit more involved. Um, but at the same time, there's other ways to make this a little bit easier and not to feel like you're just doing it for nothing, even though you're not, uh, which we'll get to, um, a little bit later. Yeah. And plus you probably need the practice too. So it never hurts to write copy or design or whatever your, whatever your goal is. Uh, having some extra time and putting something on paper or actually going through the, getting the reps that never hurts. Um, final part of the what stage, like the preparation stage is just getting super clear on like what you're providing. Now, an amazing resource for this is Alex Hormozzi, um, in his $100 million offers book. Plus he's got loads of videos online, YouTube and the website, and it will help you get crystal clear on what service you're offering to who. And that's going to be really helpful in the next stage, which is the kind of prospecting, actually reaching out to those people. Um, so go check out those resources for more information. Um, maybe we'll build on it in a, in a later episode. But essentially, it's like, cool, it's the what you're doing and who you're doing it for. So cool, I'm going to make a, an e-commerce website for um, fashion brands, or I'm going to write copy, I'm going to write blog articles for um, fishing blogs, whatever it is, but get really clear on it and and defined. You don't necessarily have to niche, although there are lots of benefits from doing so. You could be a a blog writer and you work for lots of different um, types of blogs or websites, Um, but at least be clear with it. So you don't really want to just contact someone and say, hey, I'm a writer cool give some sort of clarity like i do write blog articles i write email copy etc and another thing to remember too with whatever your value proposition is once you get started remember this can change over time so don't overthink it you know just focus on what you what you want to do what you you know what you're trying to get good at or what you're good at what you're comfortable doing what makes you happy doing and if two months from now you can change it uh, and then two months after that like me for example i couldn't even tell you what i started and I've changed my my profile information probably. I might change it later today. So, you know, whatever it is that you start off doing, just keep in mind, you know, your your domain, your name is permanent. 
And you can always change your profile picture, always update all your profiles and LinkedIn and your value proposition can evolve over time. So don't be too concerned or overthink just getting something out there. 100%. You can, you will, you will possibly be in a position where you want to stack skills over time. So some people will just stay in their lane and they can dominate and that's absolutely cool. But some people will stack different skills that are kind of complementary so that if let's take copywriting, for example, let's say you have done long form, you've done blog articles, you've done email copywriting, you've done ad copywriting, like you're all, that's all stacking skills within the copywriting sphere. But you may also then stack skills around that. So maybe you for an, say you're doing work for an agency, part-time, still freelance, um, but you kind of, you work with them for a long time and then you become like a, uh, maybe more of a manager and whilst you're not maybe physically in an office you're managing a couple of people and you're looking at other people's copy and you're like editing cool so you're building that skill as well in five years time and you should be having a long time horizon um in your in your head um you'll be able to say yeah i can i'm a copywriter but i can edit i can manage copywriters i can do this this and this and then you're talking about the big bugs um, because you bring so much more value to a potential client, whether it's an agency or a direct brand. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I've done that recently where I had so many different projects uh, starting off as, as a copywriter in my title. And I moved into all these other areas that were copywriting based. And uh, after a year or so, I was like, you know, I've done enough different copy projects that I guess I qualify to be a CMO now, which uh, just made up and gave myself that title, but it's true. You know, like once you get to a certain point, you can stack all those things together and evolve as, as time goes by. So um, the next, our next big topic here that we can't say enough about is leveraging your network. I mean, it is probably one of the most important things you can do when you're starting off. So let's say you're like me and you're breaking into copywriting and you've never done it before. Um, you've to sign up for some courses. This was a couple of years ago for me. I didn't know anybody in the copywriting space. So when we say leverage your network, we're not necessarily saying other writers or other people in the industry. It could be, you know, uh, let's say I've known somebody my entire life, like my previous job, for example, I worked with a lot of law firms and a lot of private investigative agencies. So when I started copywriting, I went back to all those people, the ones that I used to work with in my previous career, and I said, hey, I'm a copywriter now or I'm in advertising now. Um, do you need a hand with your emails or your website or, you know, you name it, landing page or something like that? So when we say leverage your network, we're really talking in the broadest sense. It could be somebody you haven't talked to in 20 years, but you know that they own a certain shop that may need a hand with writing. So we always you know, focus on your inner circle first and start down go through your contact list. And like I said, it could be the most random person you haven't spoken to in a while, but you're always going to find better results in the beginning, uh, starting with the people in your inner circle, or at least like lay layers out that you know from your network. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like even family members, is like does anyone run a business in the family. Um, and also this goes to like, if you're, if you're on the move, this is slightly more difficult, but if you are yet to move, and this is like the long-term plan, like, cool. Like you live in a village, a town, a city, you know people around there, like speak to everyone. Get on socials, just like, like, like yell it from the rooftop. I am now doing this. Um, how can I help? Um, yeah, it's actually crazy because it's not necessarily about the people that you might speak to, but it's about who they know as well. And so if you send out 50 messages, like 
you know, just potentially you could be reaching hundreds of people. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that thing about the village or where you're at now. It just it reminded me of the little town we were in, in, in Tenerife. Um, there were some signage, there was some signage in a few places that the, um, the English wasn't correct. They had some punctuation errors and I didn't do it. I should have, but I could have gone into, it's a nice little shop. I could have said, Hey, look, um, I'm a writer. Uh, I could help you fix a couple of things. And they may say, get the hell out of here. We, you know, we don't care, <laughs> but, but maybe, you know, even if I wasn't working for money at that point and I just wanted to build up some, you know, some credibility or, or start working on that yeah. portfolio, I, who knows, I, I could have become a client. So y- th- there's work everywhere. If you look around, it doesn't all have to be online, everywhere. but you definitely, everywhere. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's really mistakes everywhere. Point. There's mistakes everywhere, but there's, but there's, there's people everywhere. And it's a really good point, actually. Like, even let's say, like you say, you went in there and like you didn't even mention the board, but like you just get, you got to know them. You're like, you're living in the place so you get to know them. Like it cannot be underestimated how valuable the mini relationships you might build on your travels if you are at this stage and you're traveling or you're, you're about to, or wherever you live, like be friendly to everyone. Like why, like why wouldn't you? Like, you know even it's harder in cities and i and i imagine this even it's way more than i've known even in london talking about places in the us like new york like i've heard the it's very cold in the sense that like strangers you don't kind of really interact with um if that's correct but like i think a lot of the places digital nomads will be going like just make friends with everyone like not with the intention of like, oh yeah, I'm going to get you know turn you into a client one day. It's just like it is in your favor, both in the short term, just for building relationships on the move, from the perspective of maybe loneliness or um, just making new friends as you go. It's part of the enjoyment of traveling, um, but also yeah, it may pay off in a different way in the future as well. Because yeah, maybe someone asks them um, if they know any copywriters or web developers. And they'll probably think of you. And and also don't assume that somebody else has approached them either, because a lot of us traveling now, and I think you even had this experience with one of your clients. I think you you write a little bit if you if you're if you're willing to get into it um, for uh, co living uh, type platform. So don't assume that just because there's a whole bunch of us out here traveling that oh they've probably been approached ten times. Maybe nobody's ever gone up to them and said like hey something's wrong with your with your sign out front or something's wrong with your website or this email could be a little bit better so don't ever assume that somebody's already done that because we're all thinking the same thing like oh somebody else has it you know and there's tons of opportunity that way for sure and co-living so i i've done some work with co-living um various elements copywriting a little bit of user experience help as well um great company great brand but one of the biggest things i think for them and they've been open about that, this. One of the reasons they liked me was that I use their service. Not just that I use their service, but I am a person who likes co-living. I get it. I'm in that world. I'm in the community. Like, I'm in. I love co-living. Done it in Spain. Um, uh, done it in the UK, technically. Um and done it in Italy. And it's a fantastic experience. I don't want to go into a tangent on like, yeah, do co-living. I'm not, I'm not plugging it necessarily. But they love the fact that I'm 
a customer in, in the sense of what they're doing, what their mission is. And so also that's another angle for you is like, what brands are you already a customer of? Whether that's a fashion brand online that you don't know, or it is your local cafe that you always get coffee from. Those are the kind of like leverage your network things that we're talking about. Um, and yeah, I think I think a lot of businesses would love to work with their customers if there's a if there's a relationship. There. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Now it's jogging a bunch of memories, and none of these none of these panned out for me because I was aiming a little high. But uh, last year, like all the like the clothing that I wear, uh, there's one of them is a bamboo company out of the U.S. So they had a copywriter job open, and I'm like, well, shit, I'm already wearing your stuff, and I like it. So I sent them an email. Uh, they ended up like I didn't have enough experience at the time, but I had their had their clothes on, and then we were we were in Bali, and uh, I had a good experience with my luggage. So I tagged Samsonite on Instagram, you know, like little things like that. And obviously that's aiming pretty high because these are multi-million dollar companies. But again, like you said, if you have a brand that you like, who knows? You know, I've, I'm a huge fan of Under Armour stuff. I use it for all my gym clothes and they had an opening not that long ago and they keep me, they keep me updated when the next hiring cycle is. So just little things like that. But you know, that's obviously shooting pretty high, but Again, you have a local coffee shop or um, maybe a smaller brand or, or a family owned or a, a friend of a friend. You could always start there. There's no harm in trying. And, and even even if these things don't pan out, just the act of prospecting, the act of reaching out, you'll get better at that as you go as well. There's so many businesses, so many businesses. So stop. If you're ever in the mindset of like, oh, oh is it like send it. Like we'll get into this prospecting stuff. I know we, we keep talking about it, but we'll get into the details of it. But definitely do not hold back and actually if you're feeling brave a really good way of building the confidence up especially for like if you get if email is one of the ways you're going to do it again we'll get into it like go door to door just go into cafes walking in there like hey can i help you with anything um that'll get you more confident for sure on the reaching out to brands that you like or or are a customer of I don't know if you've ever, you must have seen Knees Over Toes guy. I don't know why that doesn't sound familiar. I'm usually pretty in tune with really? stuff. You're going to have to tell okay. me now. Yeah. So he does lots of mobility stuff online, Instagram. And he's like, the reason people call him the Knees Over Toes guy is, I think, conventional old wisdom was like, you shouldn't put your, te- your knees over your toes when you're squatting with weight. Sure. And apparently it's all bullshit. Um, and he's one of the proponents of like, actually, there's lots of strengthening you can do around the knee, different muscles are up and down the leg. Um, and yeah, it's, it's 100% doable. But he has built a an app, but more broadly, an organization called ATG. Um, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up. Thank God you're editing this. Yeah. Uh, Athletic Truth Group. I did get it right. Okay, I did get it right. So if they ever watch this, obviously, they will not. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Athletic Truth Group. Anyway, um, I, I think I did some sort of customer support inquiry. And um, so the person who runs the customer support is the mother of Ben, who is Knees Over Toes guy and really sweet email back and forth but yeah i was like hey and do you have anyone doing your email marketing and they were like no not not at this time but it's not something we're really looking for right now and i was like cool um that's it and that's it and i've i've been respectful of not like um harassing like following up a load of times i've like accepted it um but that could have worked out really well and the fact that i was already a customer i'm sure 
um, maybe change the way I was responded to, as in it's not just a random cold email. It's like, yeah, cool, this person's actually a customer. So definitely look at the brands you already use. This is where the email signature ties in, like sign up. We're going to go into this, but sign up to the brand's email list and maybe respond to those emails as well um, to prospect. But um, yeah, let's we can jump into prospecting if you want. One last thing, uh, uh, thinking about the um, just the outreach is you kind of have an easy in. If you're starting a new job, if you're starting a new career as a copywriter and you go back through all your old address list, even if it is family members, you have an easy um, like opener now, like, hey, I'm starting a new job. So it doesn't have to be some weird thing where you reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in 25 years and ask them if they need help, you know, writing uh, uh, something on their website. You know, you have an announcement to yeah. make. So d- don't overthink it. Don't make it hard. And, you know, just shoot emails out there. And look, I still just to put a cap on this. I reach out to a lot of people and maybe out of every hundred people I prospect to i may hear back from one so that's just it's a numbers game but you got to start somewhere 100 percent. um cool moving into that in more detail prospecting so cool you've done your what you're going to start reaching out to your network that's the kind of low-hanging fruit but you're going to want to try a few more methods um i think the one we'll go into first is cold email um I don't know what your experience has been as much, so I'm keen to hear a little bit more about that. But overall, I would say that I, I don't think I've had much luck with cold email. Now I haven't been as aggressive with it as I could have been. I've kind of started off early on, uh, and of course, the now there's algorithms and spam filters and things that we all need to contend with on a regular basis. Um, I got lazy with it. I know people that have had great success with cold email. I kind of shifted from that to the platforms that we can get into, like the Upwork and the Fiverr platform. So my experience with cold email hasn't been great, but I don't think it's because it doesn't work. I just shot a bunch out and then I, I kind of got fatigued by it. So, but you had some luck with it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, so just to preface this little deep dive into cold email, I did not do it the right way. And what I mean by that is the right way protects your domain name, so this is assuming you've bought a domain name, or even using a, a Gmail email, which I think you can still do. Basically, every email address has a spam score. And if you abuse it via like sending out too many emails at once, for example, or too many emails at one email recipient, for example, you can affect that spam score. So what happens is if you do that and your spam score goes up and you you get a bad spam score, when you send emails, when you try to keep sending emails, they'll go to spam. Um, or even I think if it's really severe, they won't even get delivered. So I did not do it the right way. If you will put some resources um, to look at for doing the like technical setup the right way, I did some things in, in the in the right manner, but essentially what I did is I used my personal email address, which I've had for years, um, which is my name. Um, it wasn't a Gmail. And I started sending emails out. So I used databases like or database tools like hunter.io. And I found the brands or the companies I wanted to work for, dropped their names in, took the email address and wrote an email within Apple Mail, literally just from there. 
I didn't use any complicated software that you can like bulk send stuff. It was a bit manual and a bit shoddy, um, but it worked. And I sent around five emails a day for a couple of weeks. And then I kind of increased it to maybe 10 emails a day. And I was personalizing them a little bit. And then some every now and again, I was just like, I just like didn't personalize it, just like um, shot them out. And at one point, I was sending maybe 30 emails a day, and they were not personalized whatsoever. Um, they were very, very short and sweet. There's loads of templates online. I think that it's a little bit of trial and error. Um, but essentially, the results of my efforts, this was last uh, November, were I think I sent around 600 emails in total. And that got me maybe like 40, 50 replies. So you're going to have to send a lot of emails. And then out of that, I think I had like five or six phone calls um, and like a couple of like back and forth email threads over two weeks. And then of those phone calls, I closed two clients. Um, so, I mean, it was a month of sending emails out. And re in reality, it probably took like an hour a day, which wasn't that bad. And then I got two clients and I'm still working with them today and they are two of my biggest clients. No, it is good to put in perspective like that because people hear like, oh, I got to send out hundreds of emails. But if you're really doing it at a pace of um, five to 10 emails a day, less than an hour's worth of work. And let's face it, we all have an hour we can find, whether it's watching some stupid TV show or scrolling on social media, there's always an hour to find. And like you said, the two of those clients you've had now for how long and, and, and how many thousands of dollars or whatever have you made just from you know, sending out a stupid free email. So it's really just a numbers game and it compounds and, and sticking with it. And look, even if you've only got 15 minutes a day and you can send out three, so what, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be some you know, big overwhelming thing, you know? Yeah. It's a numbers game. It's finding the right person at the right time. I remember one of the clients, he was just like, yeah, your email was so direct. Like loved it. It's like, great. Like that was just, that was lucky. Like it was lucky that he was the type of person that responded well to that kind of email. They were very direct. And um, I think the other one was just, at, again, at the right place, at the right time, looking for a copywriter. Remember that a lot of the time, managers or people in these decision-making positions for like hiring, whether that's internal or external, they're so busy. They don't really have the time to be looking for this new hire that they need to bring in. So inbound messages at that time can be extremely good for them. So like people are looking for cold emails if they're in that position. If they're not 100%, yeah, it's annoying. It's like, oh, delete or like, I don't want to speak to you 100%. But they are looking for it. Um, yeah, you, you could be that person that pops in their inbox at just the right time. And don't forget too that um, just because they're not looking for somebody this week doesn't mean they won't be looking for somebody next week. I've had that experience where I needed something. I needed a service. I wish I could remember what it is. And I got a, a couple of emails from somebody. And the, the, I remember this clearly. The first email I was super annoyed with. And the second email, like this guy again, then all of a sudden, a week or two later, I actually needed something along the lines of what this guy was offering, and I used him for a project. So, don't worry. You know, not only don't worry about sending out a lot of emails and not hearing back, but don't be afraid to follow up. Also, I mean, who knows? The guy who may be annoyed by you today could be the one who's paying you five thousand dollars a month next week. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't have put it better myself. Ultimately, you are if you're not getting that response initially, you're in their inbox like you've planted a seed that might grow in the future.